Let's put the rad in radical. If you're looking to expand your life, then you've come to the right place. We're Amanda, Ali, and Reina, and each week we're setting the scene to level up our everyday lives in all areas. Mindset, lifestyle, community, and more. And we want you to come with. Welcome back, everybody, to Let's Put the Rad in Radical. We are freaking excited today to have special guest Kat Harris with us. If you don't know her, you need to check her out at The Refined Woman on Instagram. She's also a podcast host of The Refined Collective. She is a author who has a book coming out in August, in April, not August, April 2021. Um, she is a photographer. She is somebody who is um, rooted in her faith. She has a really great perspective on relationships, embracing and exploring your sexuality, um, single life, boundaries, heartache, anxiety, holistic living as a whole, and we are all about it. So we couldn't wait to have her as a guest on our podcast so that we could learn a little bit more about her. Um, her offerings. Um, definitely go explore her Instagram page. But before you do that, um, Kat, we just really want to thank you for your time. We know that you work with um, work with women to help them explore dating and relationships and and really their heart, whether it's being single or connected to a partner and, and how to be able to navigate shame or maybe other narratives that can be involved within relationships and things mm -hmm. like that. So like, let's, let's dig in right from, you know, day one, who are you? How did you get interested in relationships? Um, you know, how did it find your heart in that way to explore this, you know, for your own self? Yeah. Oh, such good questions. And thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor when Raina reached out, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, let's talk. Let's, let's freaking do this. So I feel very, very grateful to be connecting with y'all and seeing all your faces. And it feels like a radio show because there's a whole group of us. Um, oh, we'll definitely put the visual up because you have this like microphone that makes you look so official. And I feel like we're just <laughs> here with our amateur AirPods in. Just like. <laughs> well, my producer, I've been podcasting for three years and I had the blue Yeti, which I think a lot of people have. And he was like, you have got to get a better mic. I was like, what's wrong with my mic? And he was like, it's so bad. And so he kind of made me get this new one. And so it's just right in front of my face, which means it's in front of your faces because, <laughs> because of the video. Um, but yeah, I feel fancy because I have like this styrofoam thingy over it. I'm like, hello, hello. Is this thing on? But you miss You have Amanda has like the Britney Spears thing going on, which I'm uh like, it's hit it, me baby yeah. one more time yes it def i mean it's either that or i'm like signaling traffic totally like air traffic controller yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah. i love it um gosh okay who am i and how did i get interested in relationships well i feel like i'm interested in relationships because i'm a human and we thrive off relationships and and really uh, I mean, like you said, I have the podcast, I have online courses for single women. I talk a lot about faith. I grew up in conservative Christian culture in Texas, which is known as the Bible belt. <laughs> so very conservative churches on every corner. And in that, in that realm, I learned a lot of do's and don'ts and bear a very strict set of rules about sexuality, dating, physical boundaries, gender roles, all of this stuff. And I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I totally shut down my sexual desire. I was the girl that constantly was stuck in the friend zone, 
many uh, unrequited love <laughs> stories and experiences. And it really wasn't until my late 20s when I moved to New York City that I started really questioning a lot of those narratives. Like I, I was taught good Christians don't have sex until marriage. So I didn't have sex. And that never was hard for me because I didn't date a lot. And so I was Miss Judgy, Judgerson, judging all my friends having sex. And I was on my little virgin high horse. But I honestly, I think I went seven years in from college to post-college without even going on a single date. And so I was on a pretty high horse until I moved to New York City. I started doing emotional intelligence trainings. I started doing a lot of therapy and really realizing, oh my goodness, I am totally shut down to my femininity. I'm in my masculine all the time. I have these limiting beliefs that are then creating self-fulfilling prophecies in my life, i.e. I'm always the friend, never the lover. And in that, I also started dating more than I had ever dated in my life. And one year in New York, I dated more than I had in a decade, which to be frank, wasn't saying much because like I said, I hadn't really gone on a date in seven years. But all that to be said, I realized, okay, first of all, it's a lot harder not to have sex when you're actually dating. And I think because so much of the dating experience was viewed as wrong, or you only, I grew up in the space where it was, you only date with the intention of marriage. I didn't know how to date well. My boundaries were all over the place. And really it was on the heels of a breakup that I realized I need to figure out what I believe about God, sex, dating, gender roles, all these sexual scripts that I had been given. And I need to figure out a, if I believe them, if I want to believe them, if I care about them, and ultimately are they rooted in fear or freedom? Because if they're rooted in fear, then I can be pretty sure that that is not the life that God has for me. I don't believe that God has shame, fear, condescending, condemning lives for humans. And so I think before this was any sort of a public thing, actually never wanted it to be a public thing. I was like, I'm an editorial photographer. I do brand strategy and marketing for brands. The last thing I wanted to do was be like, hey guys, I'm 30 years old and I've never had sex and I'm freaking out about what I believe about everything. But I think the longer I was on that journey, it's been about seven years now, I realized, holy crap, if I have these questions, if I have experienced shame over what I have or have not experienced in dating, then surely other people have as well. And I think <clears throat> over time, the more freedom I experienced and really deconstructing a lot of the shameful narratives I was given. And then I didn't know I was like creating a framework. I was just kind of like going on the journey and I realized, oh, I have to deconstruct before I can rebuild. And when I rebuild, how can I rebuild something that's rooted in love and wholeness and possibility connected to what it is that I really want? How can I take responsibility for how I'm showing up in my dating life and really in every area of my life? And so the more I did it, I think you start to talk about what you love, right? And when you're excited about something, so I started talking about it and then people started asking me about it. And so then kind of before I knew it over the last like three or four years, it, it kind of became my shtick, which I was like, I'm not going to be that girl. That's going to be like the poster child for singleness or, or dating. Um, I did not, it's not the path I would have chosen for myself. And I resisted it for a long time, but 
it felt as though it was the path that I was being invited into. There was definitely a calling. Like I'm feeling like this, everything that you're talking about, there was such a self-exploration, but you know, going from photography and where your path you thought you were, you did a lot of introspection and going, well, wait a second, there's definitely a higher calling here. So Mm -hmm. whether you term it God, the universe source, something was pulling you to dive deeper into yourself. And I think it's really interesting. And I don't know if you could talk a bit about this, but that your Instagram and all this is, is titled the refined woman. (laughs) I think that the word refined is very interesting and how to define uh, femininity, femaleness, anything like that. And I'm wondering if you can talk a bit about your choice of words. Yeah, for sure. Well, the refined woman started about nine years ago. So also I don't, can you hear like all the crashing outside my window? No. Oh, good. There's like, I'm like, what the hell is happening out there? Are you safe? I mean, are you all right? <laughs> no, it's, someone's moving and there's like a moving truck, literally like I could touch it if my window was open. I'm like, why are you guys so close to my window? Um, okay. Back. Okay. That was a parenthesis. Where were we at? What was the question again? Oh, the calling, the refined woman. Okay. So I'll start that over. Okay. So the refined woman actually started about nine years ago. And when I started it, what I was neck deep in the fashion industry. I had been shooting New York fashion week for years at that point. And it actually was a style blog. It was a fashion blog when it started. And I was obsessed with gossip girl (laughs) and Blair Waldorf and more of that preppy lifestyle. So to be frank, when the refined woman started, it was about refining your sense of style. And then the, then the more the refined woman grew and evolved, I realized I don't really like doing style. It's not really my thing. It really stresses me out. And I feel like I want to tell story. I'm way more interested in, in sharing story as opposed to telling people what to wear. And also I couldn't even afford the clothes that I was wearing. I mean, I was like buying clothes, returning them. I was making less than $15,000 a year. It, I just felt like a total fake. And, and in that, the the blog grew a ton. And so I was like, well, I don't just want to like trash the the brand that I've built for at that point, it was like four years. And so I just thought, okay, how can we, how can I reimagine being refined? What, what refined means? Cause I think I chose it because it felt like this polished, you know, how like this polished, refined preppy, you know, have it all together. And then life kind of kicked the shit out of me a few times. (laughs) And I really started struggling, struggling with anxiety. I went through breakups. I was struggling in my career and kind of realized there's this refining that happens in life. And there's even this story in the old Testament of the Bible, where these three guys are thrown into the fire for their beliefs. And it was like really going through the fire that led to their breakthrough and I just felt like in, in the text, it actually says refined by fire. They were refined by the fire. And so I just started thinking, man, I think that there really is this beautiful process of moving through life and not trying to be polished or perfect, but kind of removing that mask of perfection and, and embracing the fire and embracing a process of refining. Cause I truly believe that every opportunity is an opportunity to grow if we choose it to be. So it's a choice to lean into refinement and refinement is typically uncomfortable. 
but I think most transformation is there's, there's a tension, there's a stepping outside of the comfort zone, there's doubts, there's questions. And so, so yeah, I, maybe it's a reach because I, all those years ago, didn't want to change the name. And now I kind of feel like, well, it's the refined woman. So here we're going with it. I actually <laughs> I like think perfectly. it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that fit totally perfectly. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I, I wanted to just bring up something you mentioned previously that I think ties in really well with what you just mentioned about literally refining through transformation, through shifts, through self-awareness. And earlier you mentioned that you noticed you were really stuck in your masculine energy and, mm -hmm. and had to sort of discover that feminine energy that um, is so often by society, you know, the first thing we're taught to suppress as women is um, don't explore impulses, don't um, embrace different thoughts, don't embrace, uh, you know, your physical being even like, I'm, my gosh, it's, we could talk about that for hours, but mm -hmm. how did you notice that you were living in your masculine? Because I'm somebody who I can definitely say I've lived there for years and years and mm -hmm. years. Like I'm talking like hung around with the, the guys, like, I mean, down to the clothes I wore, um, afraid of other women, afraid of mm. moving my body in, in circles and, and flows instead of always it being a rigid line or, you know, I, I feel like I've been caught there and I have, you know, done some inner work to navigate my way out. But for anybody who's maybe in that space where they're sort of missing out on the beauty of both or, yeah. or even learning about the other, what would you say is like a a sign or a, a, a cue that they could pay attention to. Yeah. Well, okay. My caveat is that I'm kind of going through another process right now where I'm challenging so much of why is X considered masculine? Why is running a business considered masculine? Why, why can't me being a badass at my career being, why can't that be feminine? And that. some of what I'm saying right now, I'm also questioning so, but welcome to being a human and being in process. I think we're constantly evolving and constantly asking questions, but I think when I became aware of it, I was, I had a coach and how she described it to me is she said, the, first of all, we all have masculine and feminine, every human, like no matter how you identify, we have masculine and we have feminine. We all do. And it's, it's finding a balance and an ebb and flow of both that work for you, that work for your relationships and how she described masculine was a lightning bolt. Like masculine is like the lightning bolt, like bam, like it penetrates with powerful and, and it can set a fire and, um, it's, it's hard and it's sharp and it's a bolt of light. And uh, the feminine is like water and both are very powerful. Tsunamis are created by waters, tidal waves, water, the grand Canyon created by the slow dripping of water. And so for me, it was really important to be able to see and acknowledge that masculine and feminine are equal in power and, and they look differently at times. And so for me, I, I realized that I had shown up in so much of my life, like guns ready. I grew up at, from a young age, there was dysfunction and trauma in my family. I didn't know who was safe, who wasn't safe. And so I was like guns up, ready to fight a little bulldog everywhere. Arr, arr, like don't mess with me. And I knew the only way I was going to go to college was if I got a full ride scholarship. So I did it. 
I worked my butt off. I got the full white scholarship. I wanted to start a photography business. I started the photography business. I wanted to start a blog. I started a blog. And so I just was in so much of the do, 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 achieve, achieve, accomplish, accomplish, which historically has been the very masculine role. Right. And even how it was, I was explained to me anatomically is the male anatomy is designed to penetrate, right? And the female anatomy is designed to receive. So part of being in the feminine is being in a space of receiving and literally holding space. And so I, so here's an example of how it showed up for me in dating is I would get in a situation. Often I would be in the friend zone and then I would finally resent that I was in the friend zone. And so I would approach the conversation and be like, Hey man, like you're being really confusing towards me and I don't know where you're at. And I don't want to be in a confusing relationship with you. So I don't, I'm peacing out here. And I would put a demand on the conversation and show up like guns ready. Right. And I think being more, I think being in the feminine is leading with vulnerability and holding space for vulnerability. So another way I could have shown up would be saying, Hey, I realized I really enjoy spending time with you and I have feelings for you, or at the very least I have a crush on you. And I would be really open to having a conversation about that. And I wanted to see where you were at. And so before I was putting a demand for vulnerability and it completely shut down any sort of vulnerability. And the second, um, I was leading with sharing my heart and then holding space for, for the other, for the guy to share his heart as well. And so I think so much for me, that is like the balance and invitation is for me is I can like do, 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 do all day long. But I really think life is the merging of the doing and the being. And I struggle with holding the space. I'm like, well, so what do you want to do? What should we do? <laughs> and I can create content. I can do, I can create podcasts. I can start another business left and right. Like that's my zone and that's a good zone. And I even struggle now saying like, maybe that's not a masculine zone. Maybe, maybe that's not manly of me. Maybe that's just me being in that doing, doing, doing. And what is it like to incorporate the being? What is it like to incorporate the trust, the surrender? And I think historically that is what the feminine traits have been is like vulnerability, holding space, more like people talk about being in flow, which I'm like, I don't know how I'm supposed to be in flow. I have two businesses (laughs) and I have a lot to do. And so for me, it's learning to surrender, learning to let go. Um, yeah, I could, I could go on, but I would love to hear what you guys think about that. I could listen to that all day because you're just sharing pieces where I'm like, oh my God, that's me. Oh my, like, you know, and I know so many women probably connect to the emotional roller coaster and the ups and downs and the belief in yourself and the not, and then, you know, all of that, that comes with, I feel like I've been that pusher for so long and just recently have, I started to slow down. And so I'd love to hear from you what that transition even looked like, right? And you even said in the beginning, you kind of deconstructed who you were and, you know, maybe even share that first date that you went on. I mean, were you like, I'm going to have sex tonight? Like I'm having it tonight. You know I mean? Like, I want to know the whole process that you kind of 
built into from where you were. I didn't share either. My dad's actually a preacher. I grew up in a really small town. Mm. Um, I was a preacher's daughter from the time I was nine until forever. And so I can relate a lot to the belief system that you grew up in. Um, And I've moved away for that reason, which is Mm -hmm. why I'm so curious to hear how you're like embracing it almost, you know? Yeah. 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 So kind of what that process was and where I'm at now with like sexually and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I feel like as far as that process went, man, so here's what happened. I am going through this breakup and I'm like, I don't know what the hell I believe. I, I really love God. I feel like that never changed for me still to this day. Hasn't changed. Like I, I love God. I, that has, that's such an important part of my life, but it was really trying to get away from legalism and shame. And even just, I felt like a victim to Christianity. So I felt like I didn't have any sort of like internal, internally motivated beliefs on sexuality outside of what I felt externally pressured to do from the church, from family, from from even culture. I think culture doesn't allow women to be sexual in the way that we allow men to be sexual. Women in the church and in culture are required to be quote unquote pure in ways that men are not because men are more sexual than women. And, and so, which I think is BS. Um, so yeah, I, my goal and to answer your question, Raina was, I was just ready to start having sex. I was like, I'm done with the shame. I am done with I'm just done doing this mental gymnastics minefield of justifying what I am or am not doing sexually to make myself feel better and not guilty. And so I went to my best friend who is not a person of faith and loves casual sex. And I was like, here's, here's the plan. I have this really good plan. I'm going to start having sex and it's going to be awesome. And I'm I went to her because I thought she would agree with me. So maybe not the best plan. Let me go to the one person in my life that I think would agree with me. And she just really challenged me. She said, no, she said, I want you to have sex. so You can get on with your life and see that it's really not that big of a deal. But up until this moment, it has been a big deal for you. So why don't you pause and figure out what you believe? And she always, whenever she talks about Jesus, she puts Jesus in quotations. She's like, why don't you go talk to Jesus? <laughs> go read your Bible. I'm like, well, the Bible is an actual book. You don't have to like put it in quotation marks. <laughs> Regardless of what you believe about Jesus, he was a real person. It's not like he's like some fairy. Um, but I just always thought that was so funny. And she's like, go read your Bible and pray and talk to Jesus and figure out what you believe. And, and, and she goes, if you can come back to me and say like, this is why I feel good having sex moving forward, then I'll be your number one cheerleader. But she's like, you have to be willing to do the work. And so that was honestly so annoying. I was like, what the heck? This is the last thing I thought I would hear from you. But she was really right. And I think that it showed me how much of a true friend that she was and is to me that even though she was not in alignment with core beliefs that I held that she also knew that it mattered to me and was unwilling to see me compromise because I was just like, screw it. And so I did, I, I ended up going on a journey and I, 
I researched every single verse in the Bible that talked about sex and intimacy and relationships. I read books, any books that I could get my hands on from psychiatrists to philosophers, to scientists, to Jewish feminists, and really anything and everything. I became that girl on the subway, at a bar, at a party that was like, what were you taught growing up about sex? And are you having sex or not? Do you have casual sex? What's that like for you? How does that impact your heart? Does it impact your heart? So I was just probably the most annoying person in the world, but I was just like on an evidence hunt to figure out from different sources of truth, what was true and what felt true to me. And so in that, I also, I was still dating. Um, and especially when I was like in the midst of the heartbreak, I was like, I'm going to be super healthy. Now I'm just going to go get wasted a lot and go dance on tables and take guys home with me. And I wasn't having sex. Cause I was like, I'm not going to have sex until I figure out what I believe about it. But I was definitely having a good time. But also in that, I realized like, I'm just honestly scratching an itch right now. And I think something felt really dehumanizing about going out and being like, it doesn't matter what your name is or who you are. As long as you're like scratching an itch for me in the moment, then that's all I care about. I just felt like, wow, you know, I actually don't really feel good about that. So I kind of put a lot of that on pause when I was, I don't know, six months, a year into that journey. And the big, I feel like it was like the big cosmic joke is I ended that journey more conservative than when I started it. <laughs> like spoiler alert. Um, so now I actually am choosing not to have sex until um, <clears throat> marriage, long-term partnership, but it feels like a totally different experience for me. I feel so internally motivated. I feel so free and so empowered. And I feel like I know my why. And I feel like if anything, that is like what I'm so passionate about for women and men, like no matter what you do or do not believe about sex, how can we show up from a place of autonomy and agency and own whatever our boundary is? And then out of a place of ownership, not obligation, have the tools to communicate my boundary and communicate informed and enthusiastic consent. Cause before I was like, I don't know what the hell I believe. And so dating was confusing. It was shame filled. I would say yes a lot. When I meant no, I would say no when I really wanted to say yes. And it felt very, I had no clarity. And now before I go on dates, I'm like, what do I want to happen tonight? What do I feel comfortable doing? What do I not feel comfortable doing? How can I, from a place of ownership, communicate that? Um, and, and in that as well, whatever your boundary is or isn't, you have the right to change that boundary if, and when you want. Um, so yeah, I feel like the, I feel like the end of it, I was like, well, shoot, I guess I really do. I really do see value in this, in delaying the physical, um, which I just thought was really funny. And I still kind of think it's funny. Cause I, I don't agree with, I don't agree with. 90% of what I was taught growing up yet here I am still like holding this value. Um, so yeah, I know you guys think about that, but we'd love to hear. I see some of your faces. You're like, what? <laughs> What's happening? No, I am here for it because had I learned even a decade ago, mm -hmm. more boundaries, I think I would have made such better choices that didn't mm. leave me feeling really icky as a woman. Mm. I felt very icky mm. quite a few times. 
but I did certain things because I wanted to fill a very empty cup, if yeah. that makes sense, right? Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm loving this because now, you know, fast forward, you've written a book, Sexless in the City, mm-hmm. which we all love the name. And so <laughs> this kind of really clarifies, how did you decide to put this into print form? Oh my gosh. Well, I didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would be like, oh my God, I got to write a book about this. I know. Well, so I think that was even just what you were saying earlier, perhaps this is a calling and a deeper invitation from the divine or however you want to identify that. But I was not wanting this to be a public thing. Like I said, this was just a journey that I was on. And then a couple years ago, what happened is I was, well, first, when I went through this breakup with this guy, I wrote a series of blog posts called Sexless in the City. And it kind of took my blog from being like my mom and my aunt read it (laughs) to like 10,000 hits a post, 15,000 hits a post. And I was like, oh crap. (laughs) And they're kind of embarrassing blog posts. In fact, I feel like part of me like wants to just put them back in draft form because it's like, I'm in love and I don't care who knows it. Like it was so gratuitous. It is so gratuitous. I was like, oh, and we did this and he kissed me and I love it. And oh my gosh, I was just like head over heels, like giddy in love. And then we broke up. And so I'm like, so emo, so heartbroken talking about the breakup. And, and then that was kind of that, then it was back to like style post and brand strategy. And, and that was kind of that. I was like, Oh, that was great. Um, and then I was on this podcast a few years ago and she was asking me about being in the fashion industry and being career woman. She's like, you're a person of faith. What's dating? Like, are you having sex? And I was like, well, funny you ask. I've like been going on this journey and here's some of the things I'm learning. And here's what I'm learning about like neuroscience and all this stuff. Well, that episode went live and, and kind of went viral. And then within a week, I had 3000 emails from women all over the world asking me questions like, is masturbation a sin? And is pleasure sinful? What does the Bible really say about sex? And I was like, you, I, why, why are you asking me? <laughs> and then I got approached within a month by three different publishers to turn it into a book. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, you've got the wrong girl, which a couple years before that I was trying to write a book and I couldn't get a meeting if my life depended on it. I was like banging down doors and I couldn't even get a, a call back. And now I'm being asked to do it. And I was like, I am not your girl. Cause I knew, I knew if I went down this road, it was going to change everything. I knew it would change my business. I knew it would change the trajectory of my career. And I also felt very aware that this has, this conversation has added so much shame to millions and millions of people. The last thing I wanted to do was add another layer of shame. And I also like, don't think everyone needs to make my decision. And I didn't want to ostracize people who followed me that didn't share my faith or worldview, or even people who shared my faith, who weren't making that same decision. And so it just, I feel like I just felt the weight of what it was. And just, I just didn't want to do it. And then I felt like it felt like all these other areas of my life were like drying up. And I was like experiencing so much resistance and I was not experiencing flow. I guess if you want to call it that with my work, I was having a hard time booking jobs all of a sudden. And I was like, what the heck is going on? I feel like I'm swimming upstream and I have no idea why. And I remember sitting on my bed 
in Brooklyn. This was like three years ago, perhaps maybe four years ago. And I just remember sitting on my bed and I said, fine. <laughs> I was like, God, if you want me to do this, I'll say yes. It's like, I don't really want to do this because I feel like this is going to become my shtick. <laughs> and I also like, didn't want to become like a poster child in the church of like singleness. I'm like, no, I actually like want to be in a relationship. Like I don't want to be like the single girl that's like talking about this stuff. But I feel like as soon as I said, yes, it was like these floodgates released in my life and all of this, I didn't know that I was like, had built this dam in my life and it released when I said yes. And it hasn't been like sunshine and cupcakes since then. It's been really, really hard. And, and I think if no one ends up reading my book and if it was in fact, if the process was just for me to figure out from a even more articulate way, why do I believe the things I believe and what, what is sex and is masturbation a sin? And what about gender roles and the patriarchy and feminism and all this stuff? I think it was worth it for me to do the work, but it's definitely been the hardest, most vulnerable thing I've ever done. And I constantly at this point feel like I'm just like walking around naked every day. Like, Hey guys, (laughs) what's up? (laughs) Just naked again. That's incredibly powerful because it takes a lot for somebody to say, hey, resistance, I see you. I literally feel you every single day and and trying to claw your way upstream should be the cue that people take to know that they're being pulled in a different direction that would be more of that flow state, that would be that authentic vulnerability that would probably unlock the level of themselves they're trying to claw their way into. Mm. And I did read some of your posts and, and, you know, you were saying um, that writing this book has been the hardest thing that you've ever had to navigate, but Mm -hmm. obviously people are interested. Obviously people, it it, it hits, you know, uh, uh, it strikes a chord with some people um, in terms of wanting to explore that in in different ways. You know, I I know that you work with women um, who have to navigate these things. You coach them through it. And and now you have this book that will also be a great um, guide to even just your own personal experience. Not that Mm -hmm. you're telling them they have to do this, but um, that they can think about it. Right. And that, Mm -hmm. that will be such a great um, tool to add to their tool belt. But I'd love to know with the women that you work with who Mm -hmm. are maybe on this path and you've done years of work at this point, and maybe they're just getting started, but what are some of their biggest struggles that they ask you about? You know, you mentioned like pleasure and they're wondering if that's, if that's, you know, something that they can explore or um, what are some of the biggest struggles that you face with women who are, you know, diving into even the relationship with themselves kind of thing? Yeah, I think so many things. I think number one is first shame and taboo just about just around talking about sex, especially women talking about sex and pleasure. And one of my favorite authors is Peggy Orenstein, and she is a New York Times journalist and spent around 10 years interviewing young women and young men from high school to mid twenties about their sexual experiences. And, oh my gosh, I've had a total brain fart. Why did I bring that up? Hold on. Oh my gosh. I'll edit that part out. Um, what about Peggy Orenstein? Was it more so just like the exploration of pleasure or, um, yes, 
Yes. Got it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Woo! Okay. This is my brain right now. Welcome. This is like, here's your brain with the egg cracked. And this is your brain when you're doing a book launch. It's like completely fried. So uh, what I learned in these books is that even statistically speaking, when you, when you, when men are pulled and asked the question, how do you know a sexual encounter is successful? It's when the guy experiences orgasm and then women respond the same exact way. How do you know a, uh, a sexual encounter is a successful sexual encounter? It has nothing to do with her pleasure, but everything to do with, did he come? And so I think there, I think culturally as women, we're taught to be appropriate. We have very mixed messages. I love the Cynthia Nixon video that says, um, be a lady. They said, you know, be skinny, be, but not too skinny. Cause guys don't like skeleton. Like, you know, guys like curves, but don't be too curvy because then guys won't like you and be smart, but not too smart. And I love how Chiminanda Gozzi Adichie says it in her book and TED talk, we should all be feminist. She says, we teach girls to shrink themselves, to make themselves smaller. We say to girls, you can have ambition, but not too much ambition. Otherwise they would threaten the man. We teach women to aspire to a marriage in ways that we don't teach men to aspire to marriage. So I think in all of my clients, wherever they are spiritually, I think the first thing is you have the permission to be a sexual being. You have the permission to experience pleasure. God created pleasure. You have the permission to have sexual desire. And I think we can't really even begin a conversation of autonomy and agency and sexual ethic until we give ourselves the permission to acknowledge our desire and to acknowledge, wow, like I am a living, breathing human. And one of the most normal things about me is that I have desire and that I have longing and that I want to experience orgasm or I too want to experience pleasure. And so I think there are so many blocks for, I can make it personal for myself for so many years. I felt like I, especially because of my background, sexual, my sexual desire was gross and dirty. And so don't talk about it. But then one day when I got married, then everything was on the table and I was supposed to instantly go from an asexual robot to like a lady in the street, but a freak in the bed. And I just feel like we have to normalize the conversation about sex. We have to give each other, especially women, the permission to talk about what they want to, to normalize consent. Because I think the, if we're talking like the extreme damage that things like purity culture and shame narratives for women around sexuality. Like we can look no more full further than rape culture, purity culture and shaming women and silencing women produces rape culture. It weaponizes the female body. There's so much damage. And so I think the very first thing we have to do is say like, hello, hi, I'm a human. I have the right to be here. I have the right to experience pleasure. I have the right to communicate that. And so I think that's like one of the first big roadblocks that I go through with my clients. And then it's asking, how did I get here? What do I believe about my body? What do I believe about sex, sexuality, desire, pleasure? Where did those beliefs come from? What did I learn at home? What did I learn in religious institutions? What did I learn culturally from peers, from school? 
And how did those experiences shape where I'm at today and what I believe today? And then what are those beliefs rooted in? Are they rooted in fear, shame, isolation, or are they rooted in love, wholeness, hope, possibility? If the former, let's, let's dismantle that thing and create something new. And so I think the, the beginning part of that journey, I think everyone wants to know like, well then, so like, what should my physical boundaries in dating be? Or how do I date? Or should I online date? Or can I masturbate? And I'm like, before we get to the practical, we have to go back. We have to look backwards. And I always think of Simon Sinek and his, his Ted talk, how great leaders inspire action. He says, everyone knows what they sell. Some people know how to make it well. Very few people know why they do what they do, but it's the people that know their why that change the world. And I think the same thing goes with our sexual ethic and really any area of our lives is everyone wants to know what to do. (laughs) You know, should I, should I go home with them on the first night? Should I do this? Should I not do this? Um, what's the formula to meet the one? Some people know how to do it well, but very few people know their why. And I'm like, we got to start with the why before anything. Let's, let's go back to the why until, until we do that. None of this other stuff is really going to make sense. And also your what's are probably going to be different than his what's and her what's. And that's okay. I Really just want to thank you for sharing that. You know, I have two daughters. And so with such an, for lack of better word, just like intrusive social media influence and social influence, you know, I really appreciate the work you put in to kind of just sharing this message because, you know, as hard as hard as it is for you to probably share, I know it's helping way more women who are kind of exploring this situation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, would you mind sharing kind of, you know, how people can find you, how they can yeah. even work with you and listen to you, podcasts and books and social media and everything just to kind of get all of the info. Your reels are amazing too on social <laughs> on Instagram. We've been in a spiral of your reels. <laughs> well, if you have any ideas, I'm constantly like, I don't know what to do. But I really like this song. So (laughs) let me just figure out something to post with it. Um, But thank you. So my social media and website is The Refined Woman. My weekly podcast is The Refined Collective, not The Redefined. A lot of people are like, I love your brand, The Redefined Woman. I'm like, there's no D in there except for the end. (laughs) So The Refined Woman. My book is called Sexless in the City. You can learn more about that at sexlessinthecitybook.com or you can just go to Amazon, Kindle, Audible. I read it. So if you like my loud voice, (laughs) I can be in your ear for 12 hours. Um, So yeah, you can get the book anywhere. Slide into my DMs. I love meeting new people. If you have questions about anything I've shared, I love talking about it. So yeah. Yeah, no, man. I I have like a list of like questions you might be seeing me in your DMs. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Oh man, Kat, this has been a whirlwind. And and actually, just to piggyback on what Raina said, it's really given me a lot to think about. I'm also a mother and I have two young girls and kind of where do I want to take my journey and my thoughts so that I can be a soundboard if they ever choose Mm -hmm. to lean on me, you know? So thank you for giving me so much uh, to think about you guys. This is why I love this podcast. And you know what you said about your book? I mean, if nobody reads it, if nobody listens to it, these things change my life. Like Mm -hmm. 
you sharing, us getting to connect, me and the girls, we will rehash this. We will re-talk about it. Mm-hmm. I love learning and being um, forever changed by the people that get beautifully dropped into our lives. So Kat, thank you so much for taking your time on Let's Put the Rad and Radical. Guys, tune in next week. And man, I've got a lot to digest. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Oh,